Well, welcome to another Monster and Sea podcast. Mike Ferrer along with Troy Nebaker. And Troy, we talked about it earlier in the week. We're going to start doing more and more of these. I didn't think we'd be doing two in one week. I, well, you, you were serious about that. I, I was serious about that. Well, well, here we are, and for good reason. We are honored to be joined today by Keegan Randall, an Olympic gold medalist who's in town for Swim Across America. But she has a story to tell. And just sitting here today with her, we've been in contact for a while but to see her here in Seattle, overlooking Lake Washington, I mean, I'm glad we're doing this podcast right now. Oh, absolutely. And I'm also <laughs> looking forward to what, uh, um, what's next tomorrow, right. which is uh, some open water swimming. Yeah, should be pretty cool. So, Very Keegan, cool. welcome to Seattle. Glad you're here. We kind of came together for a lot of different reasons. But first and foremost, tell me how life is going for you and, and obviously how you ended up down here in Seattle this weekend. Well, coming from growing up in Alaska, uh, Seattle always felt like almost a, a sister city uh, for us. Um, so it's not surprising to be in Seattle, but I n- probably wouldn't have imagined being here for quite the reason that I am, and that is to do the Swim Across America tomorrow, uh, to raise money for cancer research, and that's become something uh, very close to my heart now mm-hmm. because I've actually had a personal experience of going through cancer treatment, and I guess, you know... I can officially say I'm a cancer survivor now, um, and it's just nice to, to be able to go out and do something tomorrow that will continue raising awareness and continue making that, that important push for fundraising to keep advancing the treatment options available. Do something is what Monster and Sea is about. Go because you can. And you are amazing in the Olympics. I was the first Americans to win gold in cross-country skiing in, what, four decades, I, I believe? I'm not sure. I heard that in a report. I just want, I'd have to confirm that with you. Is that right? We are actually the first Americans to ever win gold in cross-country skiing. Um, we had a one silver medal back in 1976, won by Bill Koch, uh, but that, of course, was almost a totally different era. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd never won a women's medal before. Uh, and it was kind of a personal quest of mine when I got involved in the sport to go after winning an Olympic medal. And uh, it was pretty amazing for me in my 18th Olympic race uh, to be teaming up with Jesse Diggins and uh, to finally win this Olympic medal that we've all known was possible. Uh, right. But it just it took a lot of hard work and belief to make it happen. If I find out who said four decades, I'm going to... <laughs> Tell them how wrong they are. <laughs> they were decades, super wrong. Four decades since the last medal. Last medal in the right. But it okay. was great to finally make it. All right, so that's still legit. Yeah. Still yeah, legit. Still totally. legit. Yeah. yeah. So you're going along and you are at peak physical shape. Gold medalist, 2018. And then Troy and I have been, we've seen our wives go through it. You get a diagnosis. What was, what was that like for you? And I know that's, I don't mean that to be a shallow question at all, but knowing where you were and then all of a sudden like I don't have time for this right <laughs> <laughs> well it was going to be very interesting to finish my 20 year career as a professional athlete and kind of starting this new chapter of my life anyway uh, add to that that my we my family had just moved to British Columbia uh, to follow a job for my husband so we were setting up a new home base in a new country um, and I was really just starting to think about the possibility that laid ahead and it was Mother's Day uh, I'd had a wonderful day with my family, and oh my I just goodness. was getting ready for bed and happened to brush past my right breast and feel something like hard and notice that it didn't seem quite right. And I was lucky to have grown up uh, in a community where we got a lot of awareness about breast cancer. So even though I was in this just supreme physical shape, I still knew I needed to get it checked. 
And for a couple of weeks, it was like, oh, this is probably nothing, but let's just get some scans to check it out. And the whole time, I just I couldn't believe that it would actually be something. And I was on the way to my friend's wedding in Sweden when the doctor called and let me know that the biopsy revealed that it was aggressive breast cancer. And the first reaction was just complete disbelief. It would just, no, I, I've done everything right. I've exercised, I've eaten right, I don't drink too much. It's just, you can't believe it. Um, but of course it is the reality. And so I just used all my experience that I had as an athlete to just try to frame this into my next challenge. And I was really lucky to have uh, people around me that responded in that same way. Uh, and so while this was going to be the most daunting, scary thing that I've ever had to face, something that I wouldn't be able to just stop if I got uncomfortable or I didn't want to do it. I mean, I was going to be committed, but like everybody around me and, and we just decided we were just going to take this full on. That's, and, am that's amazing. I mean, having, you know, having a community around you, um, we talk about that quite a bit. It's, like, it's, it's integral to success. You know, because you, you, you can't do it alone. You, know? you, you can't do it alone, and it's just—it's amazing though how someone's first impression uh, can have such an influence Absolutely. on you. I mean, I realized right away if if everybody around me, as soon as we heard this news, was like, "Oh my gosh, oh this doesn't look good," you know, this is going to be terrible. As opposed to, okay, well, yeah, but we've caught it early, and the prognosis is good, and now we're going to look at treatment. I mean, just the way everybody's first reaction, I think, set the stage for how we were going to go about it. And I think that matters a lot. And I feel like as I met with various doctors and things, the majority of them also had a great positive response. But there were a couple of people who came at it a little bit more negative or a little bit more of like the scary and the statistics and just, I think they were trying to temper expectations, but it came across as just not... Um, the kind of attitude I, I was bringing to it. Sure. And I think I was able to kind of counteract that from what, what I believed, but um, I can see how easily, you know, so much, there's so much information coming at you um, that you're trying to process. And if, uh, if someone is not presenting the information to you in the right way, it could totally change your outlook yeah. on what's about to come. So, so that, that outlook and that response, is that something that, um, I mean, you, you carry with you through life or is that something that you're like, I'm going to really check my response on this to make sure that it's a positive one? I think I do have a bit of just that natural part of my personality that is optimistic, mm -hmm. um, kind of open-minded. And so all these experiences in my life growing up in a way kind of prepared me to, to face this. And so it was kind of like, well okay, well, this is just, this is a new challenge, and I've gone through hard things before, so I'm just going to take what worked there and apply it to this. And I know that not everybody is necessarily wired that way, or they haven't had the experiences maybe to prepare them for that. Uh, but again, if I think if you can help people uh, approach it with the right mindset, that really comes into play as you go through treatment. Uh, and what your experience is like. Um, and I think even in some studies, they've been able to prove that, you know, a positive outlook actually helps the treatment more effective. And mm -hmm. granted, I mean, cancer is one of those crazy, unfair things where there is so much you cannot control. And there are some of the most 
hardworking, positive people that have done everything they can with this disease, and yet, you know, you just eventually lose the fight. And so um, I just wanted to really focus on the things that I could control mm -hmm. in this world of all the things that I wouldn't be able to influence. Um, and I think that's a, a big key that's helped me get me through it. One thing I, I've noticed, uh, friends of ours have, since our wives have gone through breast cancer, friends have been diagnosed. And if from looking on the outside, it seems like everybody's cancer story is different, how they handle it, how they go about it. One thing that blew me away before we even corresponded was you worked out through, through chemo. What component of, I mean, was, was, there, was it a matter of this is what I do? cancer you're not going to take this from me and is that was that a driving force or was it just a matter of like I this is how I'm going to cope I mean, what, what, what was it I had I had gone through a few other things um in my life like I had a, a massive blood clot in my leg in in 2008 um and I saw how important it was to stay physically active through that challenge both in terms of managing a lot of the physical symptoms, but I just noticed it, it helped me just mentally see progress, being able to get out and do something. And then, of course, when I kind of got through the treatment, then it helped me bounce back quicker. Then uh, a few years ago, I was competing in Norway, and I got invited to an event put on by a group called Active Against Cancer. And as I got involved with their organization, I, I got to learn about their goal of making physical activity a prescripted part of cancer treatment. And I had always been a big advocate for healthy activity um, as in kind of important to everybody. And so I just was supportive, not thinking that I would ever have a personal connection to cancer. But once I did, I knew that physical activity was going to be important. And I made that commitment publicly to not only encourage other people to be aware of this, but also to keep me accountable. Yeah. Because... Um, <laughs> That's I awesome. knew that, uh, you know, there would be days when it would probably be hard and I wouldn't feel like getting out and doing something, but because I said I did, well, that, that meant I needed to go out and kind of not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. Right. And, uh, and there were days when I was laying on the couch and my husband would remind me, Hey, you said you were going to go do something. And so mm -hmm. for me, I just had to change the expectation of like how much or what I could do. Um, so my, my rule was 10 minutes, you know, go out and do something for 10 minutes if at the end of 10 minutes you're feeling miserable, then maybe that's the body sign that you need to back off and rest. Mm -hmm. And I was ready to do that as well. But oftentimes getting out for 10 minutes turned into 20 or 30. And even if I didn't physically feel better, uh, it gave me the distraction. So I wasn't thinking about how awful I felt. And often I was out with friends and family and I was outside. So I was looking around and it gave me that mental victory. It gave me... Um, a chance to distract myself and oftentimes I felt better after it and I think because I stayed physically active through my treatment um, it helped me process it um, it helped me stay feel normal and then when I finished the treatment I was able to get back to doing all those things I was able to do because I didn't lose a mm. ton of a ton of fitness um, and again I think mindset was really important I wanted to stay physically active I even considered trying to run the New York Marathon last year while going through treatment. I eventually talked myself <laughs> off that ledge. But, um, but I think just saying like, okay, I, I don't know exactly how this is going to go. I hope to do a lot. I'm going to create situations that allow me to do this as much as I can. But I'm not going to get be hard on myself if there is a day when I just don't feel like it and I don't get out. So um, 
I think you gotta have you gotta have the commitment, but you also have to know that you can be a little bit compassionate with yourself right. as you go through this challenge. Yeah. So as a as a high level athlete, um, I think you know your mind works a little bit different. How how do you um, how do you explain that to somebody who isn't a high level athlete and ex- explain the the benefit of kind of thinking that way? One of the things that you said that was really important was sort of that change of expectation or that management of how you do things. So someone who isn't used to an athlete schedule, yeah, you know, what, what kind of what kind of words or encouragement can you offer them that uh, uh, that would help them through their experience? Well, one of the things that I've learned is um, I would uh, the day after an infusion I would retain fluid. There was kind of no way to avoid that. But if I got out and exercised the next day, it would be a couple pounds of fluid retention versus there were a couple day times when I didn't. Get, I wasn't able to do something the next day, and I would gain upward of 12 or 13 pounds of fluid retention. So that, to me, gave me some really clear proof that I could go to take someone and be like, see, like, it doesn't matter what your background of physical activity is, this clearly made a difference. Yeah. So if you can, please, like, get out and move, because it, I, it, will, make, it will help your body handle it better. Um, so I think some of those things were helpful. Um, being able to demonstrate that even though I'm an elite athlete going through this, you know, I started at a very high level and I had to come down to a lower level. I right. wasn't able to do as much. I wasn't able to do it as fast, but I was able to do some. And so I think you just have to look at it relative to your background and your experience and just say, okay, if, you know, the baseline was uh, an hour walk before, maybe you get out and you do 30 minutes. Uh, but it's doing something and it's doing a little bit every day. Um, and I think any way you can keep yourself accountable is also really helpful. You know, getting friends and family in on it, uh, support groups, various things that will kind of get you out, out there. Yeah. Uh, and then always knowing you have the, the flexibility to, to draw back if you need, but it's amazing how just that, that, that group dynamic I know, uh, can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes you'll end up connecting with people who are in a very similar situation to you, uh, and then you can sh- have that shared experience. Um, that's awesome. That's that's super helpful. Did you did you find it was more of a psychological war than a physical one? Because it, it seems like you can get lonely. You can go to some rough places. You know, I I think one thing that kind of bothers me is people say, you know, if, if oh. She had a double mastectomy. Lymph nodes were clear. You're good. Okay, all wrapped up. She's good. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a it's a long process, and it doesn't leave you. There's there's certain things that you, you know your your body has to recover from, and do you think that's maybe part of like the lonely experience that maybe people see it the way they want to see it, but they really don't quite understand it. I can appreciate that it's just it's a hard thing to probably understand for people who haven't been through it themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, people in your support network are, you know, they're so well-meaning. They, you know, they want to support you. And it's, I think, probably easiest when you're really in the mix of it. You know, you're going through treatment. There's, like, physical manifestations of what you're going through. But then once you complete treatment, 
you know, with cancer, unfortunately, it's not something that you can just be like, like a broken bone that just heals and it's mm -hmm. back to 100%. You can kind of throw that behind your shoulder and go, we're on with life. Like, there are some repercussions. I think yesterday I was at a breast oncology conference and they called it collateral damage. Like, mm -hmm. once you go through treatment, there are things that will stick with you for the rest of your life. What I've, um, through my experience, I think what I, I certainly experience those kind of uh, those thoughts about like life will never be the same you know will will I stay cancer free um, this isn't fair like all those things um, I think if you can really just kind of be aware of those thoughts tell people about them you know tell them like what your thought process is going through um, don't be afraid to you know let people in on it I think that can be really helpful both for you but then also helping other people understand um, and then just trying to kind of see your new normal going forward. Um, for me, I don't want cancer to define the rest of my life. Uh, I'm choosing to look at it like a, like a bump in the road. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful to be feeling pretty much back to normal now. Um, I don't seem to be experiencing any collateral damage that's really affecting me on a, on a daily basis. And I'm just choosing to be optimistic that that that's going to be going forward and you know if if it confront other problems again well I'll I'll deal with that when I get there but I want to kind of move forward and uh, um, I'm trying to be aware of maybe when some of those other problems could crop up uh, because people talk about you know you're so busy getting through treatment that it's not until six months or a year later that things actually start to get really hard mm -hmm. so I'm kind of like aware that that could be an issue as I get further from my treatment. Um, but again, I, I want to be proactive about it and I don't want that to define me. So I'm keeping to go forward. But again, I recognize I'm a very unique person with a very unique experience. And I've kind of been in sense trained and conditioned to overcome adversity and then just keep on trucking. Just keep charging. And yeah. so I am kind of interested in understanding the psychology behind people who have a different experience and how to help them harness some of the things that help me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, you know, just thinking about, I mean, the experience that, uh, you know, our wives went through and, and then, you know, from doing Monster and Sea for a little bit now and, and just hearing all the stories. Um, I love, I love what you say about not letting it define you. There's, um, there's so much truth in that because you can get you can get just bogged down in that that definition and um, you know one of the things we talk about a lot is that you know cancer is a taker and it'll take everything that it, you give it mm -hmm. and if you let it if you let it and and that's the thing is if you let it mm -hmm. and uh, um, your you know your positive outlook and your um, that you know over your shoulder and we're moving down the road that's awesome Try, trying the best I can you know I don't know what is around the next corner but uh that's kind of the mindset I and the approach I'm taking. Um, I have to say, like, the one thing I'm still trying to understand better is the effect that my cancer has now had on the people around me. Yeah. Because in a way, it's almost been easiest for me because I've been experiencing it and I um, am now kind of going through. But I think a lot of the people that were in my support network were processing it in their own way and they maybe didn't feel like they could express their emotions because they didn't want it to influence me, but then I wasn't able to understand the effect it had on them. And so now 
um, I want to make sure to really have that open dialogue so that I can understand how, how it's a new normal for them as well. Um, so that as we all move forward, um, yeah, this cancer experience is, is just part of the story, but not the only story going forward. Yeah. I know when, when, you, when you said that uh, about you don't know what lies ahead, uh, I was reading a book lately, and uh, the great quote was, the only thing certain is that tomorrow is uncertain. So <laughs> who, who knows, right? But I, I know when families or yourself or friends, you go through things like this, like I, we, we said before we, we started the podcast that Troy and I met by way of, you know, our, our wives going through similar experiences. And you can glean some positives through this. And as I sit here on this porch and we're doing this podcast, tell me the story. How did we end up here and, 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 and where we're staying? And, I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. It's, it's a great story. Warm my heart. You know, it, it's, you always hate the fact that it sometimes takes it something tragic, something tough to wake you up a little bit, but I, I really think there are some silver linings. Maybe there are gold linings, because I'm a little partial to gold. Um, <laughs> Gold's that, a good color. That have come from this experience for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up a couple thousand uh, Instagram followers when we won the gold medal, and that was exciting. But when I announced my diagnosis on my social media, I have gone up, I have more than doubled my following. And it's because I've been able to now connect with people on a totally more human level than I ever could have as an athlete. And so I think the silver lining is, is um, the, the relatable experience, the, the impact that I think I can have now um, as kind of more of a public figure uh, is, is just so much broader now than, than had I not gone through this cancer experience. And for me personally, um, I now, like, you know, I was so excited to be a mom and, uh, you know, really, it, my family's always been really important to me, but now it's like, you know, I have a toddler at home. And so, you know, as a parent, you can get a little stressed and, and not really appreciate every moment. <laughs> right. And not to say that I'm perfect and I am appreciating every moment, but I am really trying to, like, soak up every moment with my family. You know, this, you just go outside and I feel like the sky is more blue and, what would have felt like a, a mediocre day before. Now it just, you know, just feel so grateful to be feeling good and to be able to get back to doing all these things uh, and just the perspective of it. Um, and then for me too, I coming off my career, I had so many different projects and ways to pour my energy. And I'm realizing now that it's not about chasing everything. It's about honing in on what's really important hmm. because, you know, I'm optimistic that I have a lot of time left and I can do a lot of things, but you don't know. So sure. I want to make sure that I'm making the most of, of the time I, kn- I have right in front of me so that no matter what happens, I can leave the, the legacy I want and, and have a high quality of life. <laughs> and, and, and how did you guys come in contact? Can you, can you tell the yeah. story again? So, um, you know, the great thing about cross-country skiing is you get connected with some pretty amazing people in mm-hmm. the process. And so um, I've known Gretel for over a decade. Um, she just became our super fan of just saw what we were doing with our U.S. women's team of not trying to only be the best athletes in the world, but to really foster a lot of community and spirit. And um, so she's been, yeah, this amazing cheerleader for us. And so um, when I was going through treatment last year, um, she, of course, was, again, one of the best cheerleaders and said, hey, Keegan, I'm doing this open water swim in Seattle. Um, I'm doing, I'm dedicating my swim in your honor. And this is like right when I'm in the midst of chemo. 
And so I just right away was like, okay, that is amazing. And next year when I'm done with treatment, I'm going to come back and do this swim with you. And that was, that was a big commitment for me because (laughs) I grew up in Alaska where we did not spend a lot of time in open water. So to be like, okay, this is going to be really good. This is, and I'm going to go do this with a friend. And so it's been on my calendar for a year and I've been looking forward to it and I've been getting in the water this summer to kind of get ready. And it's wonderful to now be here in Seattle um, to be reuniting with a friend, to go out and do a swim tomorrow, uh, on behalf of such a good cause. Um, and I just, it, this whole experience has just made me so incredibly grateful for the amazing people in my life. And there's nothing better to, than to go out and do some sort of awesome physical feat, uh, together with your friend. So. You're my lady. <laughs> <laughs> that was Gretel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, um, Troy, I've seen you glance over a couple of times. Just kind of set it up. We're, we're sitting on a beautiful porch at Gretel's house, and uh, kicking to my left, Troy's across from me. And but taking the center stage right here is a gold medal, uh, an Olympic, gold an Olympic medal. gold medal. I mean, a, a real one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things you can do in life. You know, you, you can be on a, on a Forbes list of wealthiest people. You could, you know, whatever, top ten of this, that. But that's that defines greatness. I, I mean, it really does across the board for, for as long as the Olympics have been happening. I mean, what does it mean to you to have that and, and to be a gold medalist and what you could also show uh, little girls coming up in the future, little, little kids that ski or just anybody that, you know, if you put your mind to it, you could do it. I mean, what, what does it mean to you? It's, it's pretty cool to have had the opportunity to be an athlete where there's a pretty clear uh, path for you to kind of follow this very specific dream and then ultimately, you know, go after this medal, which is just the physical representation of that hard work and that dedication and that dream. And um, I went through five Olympics, and it wasn't until my 18th Olympic race that this gold medal ended up happening uh, and it was so special that it happened in a team event. Um, you know, I got to win this medal with my teammate, Jesse Diggins. And this was a, this race in particular was something our entire team had targeted. Um, you know, the U.S. had just, we'd been so close to winning a medal and to win an Olympic medal. I think that finally puts the stamp of like, okay, your team has arrived. Like, you are truly now one of the best athletes in the world. And so to win that medal to me was just the ultimate satisfaction and validation for all that we knew it was possible for the decades it took of working Mm. together to get there and to be able to celebrate it with our team and now to take this medal around and know that as soon as someone puts it in their hand it rubs off it it somehow I think ignites in people like oh yeah I can go out and I can chase my dreams I can be better healthier and that's what the Olympics is all about you know it's faster higher stronger and we tend to focus on the medals, but I think it's really about bringing that out in everybody. And it's just so cool to, to have been able to have an accomplishment that I can actually carry around and have that, that impact. Yeah. And um, it's just, it, it's a dream come true. It's, I couldn't have written the story any, any better. You know, usually I'm like full of words and, uh, <laughs> uh, and can, you know, just kind of just spout them out. I, I, got, I got nothing. That is the, the dedication that it takes to... Um, to do that and to stay so focused and and man hats off it's awesome well I remember being at my first Olympics in Salt Lake City and watching Sarah Hughes uh, win the gold medal in figure skating I think she was 16 at the time and thinking like wow that would be super cool but if you win the gold medal at 16 like 
you know, yeah, that, what do you, where, do you go, where do you go from there? And <laughs> yeah. I kind of, maybe this was part of just my justification, but kind of realizing like in my sport, it's going to take me 10 years before I'm going to be competitive. So now I have all these little steps that I get to complete along the way. And I set out on this roadmap. I set out kind of after this audacious dream of trying to win a medal that had never been won before. Um, and I had my shot going into the 2014 Olympics in the individual freestyle sprint event. The world was watching. I knew in my heart it was possible. And I ended up coming up five hundredths of a second short uh, and missed advancing to the semifinals. And, uh, and after that, I had a big decision to make. Um, I knew I wouldn't get a chance at my best individual event for eight more years with the way our techniques flip-flop. Um, but at that point, I realized it was not just about the medals. It was about this amazing journey. I was so proud of the work we'd done to get to the point where we knew that was so possible. And it really actually ended up being an easy decision for me to continue four more years because I knew we would have a shot at a team medal. And I knew how important the team was to me. And I just wanted to help contribute to that effort. Whether or not I was actually on the relay team or not, I wanted to help push my teammates and work on this common goal together. And, uh, and then now that I'm a year kind of after I finished my career, I look back and I'm just, I'm so grateful that I got to do it for so long. And it was, it's the metal that kind of keeps you going. That's what gets you out the door. That's the kind of the dream, but it's not really about the metal. It's about the process. I think so many, so many athletes, young athletes, old athletes, it doesn't really matter. They're afraid to get into something because they won't be good enough or they won't, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to suck at that. I'm going to be terrible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, what you said about the process, you know, if you're, man, if you're new to something, if you're new to paddling or swimming or whatever, you don't know unless you give it a go. And it is, it is a process. No one starts out at that elite level. Well, and especially in our sport, I mean, there was, you know, the best women's result when I first got into the sport, I think, was maybe top 15 at the Olympics. So there was no path to say it was possible. And I actually had a pretty hard time, got a pretty hard time from my grandfather, who was like, once I'd gone to my first Olympics, he was like, okay, you're an Olympian. Like, now you need to go to school and you need to get a degree and, you know, do like kind of the natural, you know, what everybody else is doing. And I went, no, like, I I think I can do this. I think it's going to be worthwhile and I'm going to have to stick to it. But then a few years into that commitment, when all my people, my uh, classmates out of high school were now getting their degrees and going on, it was kind of like, oh man, you know, I said I was going to do this and now I'm not, I'm not really showing that it's possible yet. Mm-hmm. It was tempting to, to maybe walk away, but I just went, you know what, I got to at least see it through because what's the harm in that? Okay, so say you said, I'm going to do this, you go out, you give everything, you don't get it. Well, you're still, like, you still have had this amazing experience. Uh, You've learned a lot about yourself. And, yeah, I know that because you put the work in, it will lead to something else. Maybe not exactly what you thought, but it's it's just such an amazing experience to go after something like that. And I was going to be, you know, prior to that medal happening at those Olympics... I was going to be completely satisfied with my career to walk, you know, to walk away without an Olympic medal because I, I just knew um, I was proud of the way I'd done it and it was a great experience and life was going to be great without a gold medal. Yeah. But, of course, maybe, maybe thinking of things in that way is ultimately what freed my mind to go out and have the performance I needed to win a medal because it wasn't just about the result. It was, just, it was about so much more. 
It, it seems like as I listen to you talk about your uncle and is that what it said go back to college? Oh, uh, that was uh, my grandfather. grandfather. Okay, I'm sorry. Yep. Your grandfather. Uh, it seems so much, so many people want life in black and white. These little compartments, you know, this is what you should do. This is what you have to do. But then if you choose to operate in the gray area, if you get what they always say, if you get comfortable being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. great things can happen. Did, did you look at it that way? Like, I'm going to carve my own path. Like, that may be what's prescribed for people or what people want me to do, but, you know, I'm going to live. It, was, was that kind of part of it? And, and, and do you still enjoy the gray area? Is, is there any gray for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you you get smarter the more experience you have. I, I won't say I had those like the exact perspective at that point when I decided to sure. kind of go after this. It was just I was enjoying the training. I was enjoying like thinking ahead to what might be possible and I really didn't see it as that big of a risk. Like I just I believed in myself to know that if I go after this and ultimately I totally fail, well, at least I tried and mm-hmm. I'll figure out something else. Um and then I think that's maybe applied to, to some other things. I mean, now that I'm done racing, uh, I never finished my college degree. And so you could be like, whoa, geez, like, well, you know, what am I going to do now? I'm not an athlete anymore. But I just know this is the time to get gritty again and right. to reinvent myself and come up with some new ideas and pursue them. And maybe they won't go very well and I'll have to reroute. But I think just having that belief in myself that no matter what, I'm, I'm good at being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I'm good at figuring it out, and that's ultimately, I think, what makes me feel alive is, is constantly going after those things that aren't so clear and black and white. Hmm. I'm going to have to listen to this like 10 to 15 times over <laughs> just to make sure I get every tiny little bit of uh, inspiration and goodness out of it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just nice to know that... Um, all those years of training, you often questioned, well, what am I doing with my life? What, I am, what am I doing for the world? Mm-hmm. But you realize that by pursuing some of these kind of individual goals, I have learned a lot. And hopefully by sharing that journey and what I'm learning, people can get little tidbits here and there that end up clicking and, and being something that helps them introduce them to a new activity or overcome a challenge, uh, get healthier, um, and that's what I love about getting to be an athlete and getting to be a role model yeah. is that this, this experience uh, turns into more than just the performance on the snow. Absolutely. You got a website. You sell <laughs> socks. Tell us, about, <laughs> tell us about some of the cool things you got going on there. Yeah, so another kind of silver lining that came out of my cancer experience in this past year is that uh, kind of being determined to stay positive through my treatment, I literally started wearing rainbow-colored running shoes to my doctor's appointments. And this was helping me stay positive. And so my husband was watching this and going, well, if this is working for you, is there something that we could do that would put this same kind of phenomenon out there to others going through something tough? And we figured running shoes might be kind of a challenge because you got all the different sizes and everything, but maybe we could do some inspirational socks. And so uh, I first talked with L.L. Bean, which has been a big partner of mine over years, and they were very supportive of the idea, but couldn't make the socks happen quite on the timeline we needed so they introduced us to the people at darn tough and they loved the idea and so we ended up partnering with them to make these happy socks and my husband kind of realized that we kept telling each other it's going to be okay so then we were able to integrate my kind of keek and k into a logo that my brother designed and we made the socks and ella bean donated some headbands 
and we initially thought this is just going to be like a fun little project. Um, we were actually intimidated by the fact that we had to order 1,200 pairs of socks on that initial <laughs> run. And I know so the we, feeling. <laughs> my husband actually decided to quit his job and focus on this project. Uh, so we built a little um, Shopify site off my website and put the socks out for pre-order. And before we even had a single pair in hand, we had sold out of the 1,200 pairs. And the headbands were gone as well. And we decided that we wanted to donate $2 from every item we sell to Active Against Cancer um, and do some good with this as well. And then we also created the hashtag HelloKeegan and encouraged people as they were getting the socks and the headbands to share their story with us. And that has been the coolest part is that um, I've gotten to hear that maybe someone got a pair of socks and that gave them the courage to get through a tough day of chemo. Right. Or an entire ski team wore the socks as their lucky thing for the race the next day. Um, and this project has really just turned into something way bigger than we thought, but it's been so fun. Um, we now have a, a 2.0 version of the sock that's kind of like the new Horizons. <laughs> um, we've got a couple other products on the web store, and, um, and we've now raised over, over $10,000 for Active Against Cancer. And along the way, just, yeah, people are, are this is bringing joy to their lives in a tough time. And that just, I'm so happy that I've been able to, to turn my experience into, into more. And I, my husband for sure gets all the credit because he had the vision for that and, and has been working together with me to make this happen. Wow. You do realize that you just made Troy and I want to go just paddle to Alaska or run through a wall or Pretty something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I know, I know how I was very inspired by role models growing up. Mm. I mean, I had incredible role models in my family. My aunt and uncle were Olympic skiers. Um, my dad had timed the World Pro Skiing Circuit in Alpine for a while, and I just, I always looked up to them for, like, any little nugget they would say or watching what they were doing and taking that and applying it to what I was doing. And so it's really cool, too. Um, I'm, I continue to find role models wherever I go. I mean, in the cancer community, I think... All of the people who have survived way harder things than I have and are now back to living really full, productive lives, that's been inspirational to me. Um, and so if I can put anything out there to just kind of continue to uh, be that positive force, um, it's, it's cool to know it's happening. You are definitely a positive force. <laughs> you made, uh, made a difference in my day today. Oh, good. Well, For then. sure. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I knew you were awesome when I saw those videos of you going through what you were going through and working on. I'm like, this is an amazing woman, but to sit here and talk to you, it's an honor. I mean, we've been doing this a while and uh, you have motivated us, I think, in a lot of ways that we'll probably just look at each other and say, Keegan. Yeah, time, time to go. <laughs> let's, let's get after it. Well, some of my friends were like, dang, Keegan, why do you have to like work out through chemo? Because now, now I have no excuse. <laughs> I got like, nothing. <laughs> yeah, just, just a busy day isn't going to cut it anymore. Like if Keegan can do this while going out through chemo, then I can do it too. And uh, yeah, it's been fun to share that. You are awesome. Uh, she's a survivor. She's a gold medalist. Keegan Randall, thank you very much. Troy, you're speechless. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of... Well, I've, with I've that, we it. usually say, for Troy, I'm like, we're out. But, Gretel, can you give us a, just one more Oleo and we'll end it there? Yolalaini! Yolalaini! Well, welcome to another Monster and Sea podcast. Mike Ferry along with Troy Nebaker. And, Troy, we talked about it earlier in the week. We're going to start doing more and more of these. I didn't think we'd be doing two in one week. Uh, well, you, you were serious about that. I, I was serious about that. Well, well, here we are, and for good reason. We are honored to be joined today by Keegan Randall, an Olympic gold medalist who's in town for Swim Across America. 
but she has a story to tell. And just sitting here today with her, we've been in contact for a while, but to see her here in Seattle, overlooking Lake Washington, I mean, I'm glad we're doing this podcast right now. Oh, absolutely. And I'm also <laughs> looking forward to what uh, um, what's next tomorrow, right. which is uh, some open water swimming. Yeah, should be pretty cool. So, Very Keegan, cool. welcome to Seattle. Glad you're here. We kind of came together for a lot of different reasons, but first and foremost, tell me how life is going for you and, and obviously how you ended up down here in Seattle this weekend. Well, coming from growing up in Alaska, uh, Seattle always felt like almost a, a sister city uh, for us. Um, so it's not surprising to be in Seattle, but I n- probably wouldn't have imagined being here for quite the reason that I am, and that is to do the swim across America tomorrow, uh, to raise money for cancer research, and that's become something uh, very close to my heart now because I've actually had a personal experience of going through cancer treatment, and I guess, you know, I can officially say I'm a cancer survivor now, um, and it's just nice to, to be able to go out and do something tomorrow that will continue raising awareness and continue making that, that important push for fundraising to keep advancing the treatment options available. Do something is what Monster and C is about. Go because you can. And you are amazing in the Olympics. I was the first Americans to win gold in cross-country skiing in, what, four decades, I, I believe? I'm not sure. I heard that in a report. I just want, I'd have to confirm that with you. Is that right? We are actually the first Americans to ever win gold in cross-country skiing. Um, we had a one silver medal back in 1976, won by Bill Koch, uh, but that, of course, was almost a totally different era. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd never won a women's medal before. Uh, and it was kind of a personal quest of mine when I got involved in the sport to go after winning an Olympic medal. And uh, it was pretty amazing for me in my 18th Olympic race uh, to be teaming up with Jesse Diggins and uh, to finally win this Olympic medal that we've all known was possible. Uh, right. But it just it took a lot of hard work and belief to make it happen. If I find out who said four decades, I'm going to... <laughs> tell them how wrong they are. <laughs> they were super wrong. Four decades since the last medal. Last medal. In the right. But it okay. was great to finally make it. All right, so that's still legit. Yeah. Still yeah, legit. Still totally. legit. Yeah. yeah. So you're going along and you are at peak physical shape. Gold medalist, 2018. And then Troy and I have been, we've seen our wives go through it. You get a diagnosis. What was, what was that like for you? And I know that's, I don't mean that to be a shallow question at all, but knowing where you were and then all of a sudden like I don't have time for this right (laughs) (laughs) well it was gonna be very interesting to finish my 20-year career as a professional athlete and kind of starting this new chapter of my life anyway Uh, add to that that my we my family had just moved to British Columbia uh, to follow a job for my husband so we were setting up a new home base in a new country um, and I was really just starting to think about the possibility that laid ahead and it was Mother's Day uh, I'd had a wonderful day with my family, and oh, I just goodness. was getting ready for bed and happened to brush past my right breast and feel something like hard and notice that it didn't seem quite right. And I was lucky to have grown up uh, in a community where we got a lot of awareness about breast cancer. So even though I was in this just supreme physical shape, I still knew I needed to get it checked. And for a couple of weeks, it was like, oh, this is probably nothing, but let's just get some scans to check it out. And the whole time, I just I couldn't believe that it would actually be something. And I was on the way to my friend's wedding in Sweden when the doctor called and let me know that the biopsy revealed that it was aggressive breast cancer. And the first reaction was just complete disbelief. It just, 
no, I, I've done everything right. I've exercised, I've eaten right, I don't drink too much. It's just, you can't believe it. Um, but of course it is the reality. And so I just used all my experience that I had as an athlete to just try to frame this into my next challenge. And I was really lucky to have uh, people around me that responded in that same way. Uh, and so while this was going to be the most daunting, scary thing that I've ever had to face, something that I wouldn't be able to just stop if I got uncomfortable or I didn't want to do it. I mean, I was going to be committed, but like everybody around me and, and we just decided we were just going to take this full on. That's, and, am that's amazing. I mean, having, you know, having a community around you, um, we talk about that quite a bit. It's like, it's, it's integral to success, you know, because you, you, you can't do it alone. You, know? you can't do it alone, and it's just, it's amazing, though, how someone's first impression uh, can have such an influence Absolutely. on you. I mean, I realized right away, if if everybody around me, as soon as we heard this news, was like, oh my gosh, oh, this doesn't look good, you know, this is going to be terrible, as opposed to, okay, well, yeah, but we've caught it early, and the prognosis is good, and now we're going to look at treatment. I mean, just the way everybody's first reaction, I think, set the stage for how we were going to go about it and I think that matters a lot and I feel like as I met with various doctors and things the majority of them also had a great positive response but there were a couple of people who came at it a little bit more negative or a little bit more of like the scary and the statistics and just I think they were trying to temper expectations but it came across as just not um, the kind of attitude I, I was bringing to it sure. and I think I was able to kind of counteract that from what, what I believed, but um, I can see how easily, you know, so much, there's so much information coming at you um, that you're trying to process, and if uh, if someone is not presenting the information to you in the right way, it could totally change your outlook yeah. on what's about to come. So, so that that outlook and that response is that something that um, I mean, you you carry with you through life, or is that something that you're like, I'm going to really check my response on this to make sure that it's a positive one I think I do have a bit of just that natural part of my personality that is optimistic mm -hmm. um, kind of open-minded and so all these experiences in my life growing up in a way kind of prepared me to to face this and so it was kind of like well okay well this is just this is a new challenge and I've gone through hard things before so I'm just going to take what worked there and apply it to this and I know that not everybody is necessarily wired that way or they haven't had the experiences maybe to prepare them for that uh, but again if I think if you can help people uh, approach it with the right mindset that really comes into play as you go through treatment uh, and what your experience is like um, and I think even in some studies they've been able to prove that you know positive outlook actually helps the treatment more effective and granted I mean cancer is one of those crazy unfair things where there is so much you cannot control and there are some of the most hard-working positive people that have done everything they can with this disease and yet you know you just eventually lose the fight and so um, I just wanted to really focus on the things that I could control mm -hmm. in this world of all the things that I wouldn't be able to influence. Um, and I think that's a, a big key that's helped me get me through it. One thing I, I've noticed uh, friends of ours have, since our wives have gone through 
breast cancer, friends have been diagnosed. And if from looking on the outside, it seems like everybody's cancer story is different, how they handle it, how they go about it. One thing that blew me away before we even corresponded was you worked out through through chemo. What component of, I mean, was, was, there, was it a matter of, this is what I do. Cancer, you're not going to take this from me? And is, was that a driving force, or was it just a matter of, like, I, this is how I'm going to cope? What, what, what was it? I had, I had gone through a few other things um, in my life. Like, I had a, a massive blood clot in my leg in, in 2008, um, and I saw how important it was to stay physically active through that challenge, both in terms of managing a lot of the physical symptoms, but I just noticed it, it helped me just mentally see progress, being able to get out and do something. And then, of course, when I kind of got through the treatment, then it helped me bounce back quicker. Then uh, a few years ago, I was competing in Norway, and I got invited to an event put on by a group called Active Against Cancer. And as I got involved with their organization, I, I got to learn about their goal of making physical activity a prescripted part of cancer treatment. And I had always been a big advocate for healthy activity um, as in kind of important to everybody. And so I just was supportive, not thinking that I would ever have a personal connection to cancer. But once I did, I knew that physical activity was going to be important. And I made that commitment publicly to not only encourage other people to be aware of this, but also to keep me accountable. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I awesome. knew that, uh, you know, there would be days when it would probably be hard and I wouldn't feel like getting out and doing something. But because I said I did, well, that, that meant I needed to go out and kind of not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. Right. And, uh, and there were days when I was laying on the couch and my husband would remind <laughs> me, hey, you said you were going to go do something. And so mm. for me, I just had to change the expectation of like, how much or what I could do. Um, so my, my rule was 10 minutes. You know, go out and do something for 10 minutes. If at the end of 10 minutes you're feeling miserable, then maybe that's the body sign that you need to back off and rest. Mm -hmm. And I was ready to do that as well. But oftentimes getting out for 10 minutes turned into 20 or 30. And even if I didn't physically feel better, uh, it gave me the distraction. So I wasn't thinking about how awful I felt. And often I was out with friends and family, and I was outside, so I was looking around, and it gave me that mental victory. It gave me um, a chance to distract myself, and oftentimes I felt better after it. And I think because I stayed physically active through my treatment, um, it helped me process it. Um, it helped me stay, feel normal. And then when I finished the treatment, I was able to get back to doing all those things I was able to do because I didn't lose a ton of a ton of fitness um and again i think mindset was really important i wanted to stay physically active i even considered trying to run the new york marathon last year while going through treatment i eventually talked myself <laughs> off that ledge but um wow. but i think just saying like okay i i don't know exactly how this is going to go i hope to do a lot i'm going to create situations that allow me to do this as much as i can but I'm not going to get be hard on myself if there is a day when I just don't feel like it and I don't get out. So, um, I think you got to have you got to have the commitment, but you also have to know that you can be a little bit compassionate with yourself right. as you go through this challenge. Yeah. So as a as a high-level athlete, um, I think you know, your mind works a little bit different. How how do you um, how do you explain that to somebody who isn't a high-level athlete and ex explain the the benefit of kind of thinking that way. One of the things that you said that was really important was sort of that 
change of expectation or that management of how you do things. So someone who isn't used to an athlete schedule, yeah, you know, what, what kind of what kind of words or encouragement can you offer them that uh, uh, that would help them through their experience? Well, one of the things that I've learned is um, I would uh, the day after an infusion I would retain fluid. There was kind of no way to avoid that. But if I got out and exercised the next day, it would be a couple pounds of fluid retention versus there were a couple day times when I didn't get, I wasn't able to do something the next day, and I would gain upward of 12 or 13 pounds of fluid retention. So that, to me, gave me some really clear proof that I could go to take someone and be like, see, like, it doesn't matter what your background of physical activity is, this clearly made a difference. Yeah. So if you can, please, like, get out and move because it, I think... It will make it will help your body handle it better. Um, so I think some of those things were helpful. Um, being able to demonstrate that even though I'm an elite athlete going through this, you know, I started at a very high level, and I had to come down to a lower level. I right. wasn't able to do as much. I wasn't able to do it as fast. But I was able to do some. And so I think you just have to look at it relative to your background and your experience, and just say, okay, if you know the baseline was uh, an hour walk before. Maybe you get out and you do 30 minutes, uh, but it's doing something and it's doing a little bit every day. Um, and I think any way you can keep yourself accountable is also really helpful. You know, getting friends and family in on it, uh, support groups, various things that will kind of get you out, out there. Yeah. Uh, and then always knowing you have the, the flexibility to, to draw back if you need. But it's amazing how just that that, that group dynamic, I know, uh, can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes you'll end up connecting with people who are in a very similar situation to you. Uh, and then you can sh- have that shared experience. Um, that's awesome. That's that's super helpful. Did you, did you find it was more of a psychological war than a physical one? Because it, it seems like you can get lonely. You can go to some rough places. You know, I, I think one thing that kind of bothers me is people say, you know, if, if, oh, she had a double mastectomy, lymph nodes were clear, you're good, okay, all wrapped up, she's good. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, a, it's a long process, and it doesn't leave you. There's, there's certain things that, you, you know, you, your body has to recover from. And do you think that's maybe part of, like, the lonely experience, that maybe people see it the way they want to see it, but they really don't quite understand it? I can appreciate that it's just it's a hard thing to probably understand for people who haven't been through it themselves mm-hmm. and uh, people in your support network are you know they're so well-meaning they you know they want to support you and it's I think probably easiest when you're really in the mix of it you know you're going through treatment there's like physical manifestations of what you're going through but then once you complete treatment you know, with cancer, unfortunately, it's not something that you can just be like like a broken bone that just heals and it's mm-hmm. back to 100%. You can kind of throw that behind your shoulder and go, we're on with life. Like, there are some repercussions. I think yesterday I was at a breast oncology conference and they called it collateral damage. Like, mm-hmm. once you go through treatment, there are things that will stick with you for the rest of your life. What I've, um, through my experience, I think what I, I certainly experience those kind of uh, those thoughts about like life will never be the same you know will will I stay cancer free Um, this isn't fair like all those things Um, I think if you can really just kind of be aware of those thoughts 
tell people about them, you know, tell them like what your thought process is going through. Um, don't be afraid to, you know, let people in on it. I think that can be really helpful both for you, but then also helping other people understand. Um, and then just trying to kind of see your new normal going forward. Um, for me, I don't want cancer to define the rest of my life. Uh, I'm choosing to look at it like a, like a bump in the road. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful to be feeling pretty much back to normal now. Um, I don't seem to be experiencing any collateral damage that's really affecting me on a, on a daily basis. And I'm just choosing to be optimistic that, that that's going to be going forward. And, you know, if, if it confront other problems again, well, I'll, I'll deal with that when I get there, but I want to kind of move forward and, uh, um, I'm trying to be aware of maybe when some of those other problems could crop up uh, because people talk about, you know, you're so busy getting through treatment that it's not until six months or a year later that things actually start to get really hard. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of like aware that that could be an issue as I get further from my treatment. Um, but again, I, I want to be proactive about it and I don't want that to define me. So I'm keeping to go forward. But again, I recognize I'm a very unique person with a very unique experience, and I've kind of been, in a sense, trained and conditioned to overcome adversity and then just keep on trucking. Just keep charging. And yeah. so I am kind of interested in understanding the psychology behind people who have a different experience and how to help them harness some of the things that help me. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, you know, just thinking about I mean, the experience that, um, you know, our wives went through and, and then, you know, from doing Monster and Sea for a little bit now and, and just hearing all the stories, um, I, lo I love what you say about not letting it define you. There's, um, there's so much truth in that because you can get, you can get just bogged down in that, that definition. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is that, you know, cancer is a taker and it'll take everything that it, you give it. Mm -hmm. and if you let it, if you let it, and and that's the thing is if you let it, mm -hmm. and uh, um, your, you know your positive outlook and your um, that you know over your shoulder and we're moving down the road, that's awesome. Trying trying the best I can, you know I don't know what is around the next corner, but uh, that's kind of the mindset I and the approach I'm taking. Um, I have to say, like the one thing I'm still trying to understand better is the effect that my cancer has now had on the people around me. Yeah. Because in a way, it's almost been easiest for me because I've been experiencing it and I um, am now kind of going through. But I think a lot of the people that were in my support network were processing it in their own way. And they maybe didn't feel like they could express their emotions because they didn't want it to influence me. But then I wasn't able to understand the effect it had on them. And so now um, I want to make sure to really have that open dialogue so that I can understand how, how it's a new normal for them as well. Um, so that as we all move forward, um, yeah, this cancer experience is, is just part of the story, but not the only story going forward. Yeah. I know when, when, you, when you said that uh, about you don't know what lies ahead, uh, I was reading a book lately, and uh, the great quote was, the only thing certain is that tomorrow is uncertain. So <laughs> who, who knows, right? But I, I know when families or yourself or friends, you go through things like this, like I, we, we said before we, we started the podcast that Troy and I met by way of, you know, our, our wives going through similar experiences. And you can glean some positives through this. 
And as I sit here on this porch and we're doing this podcast, tell me the story. How did we end up here and, 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 and where we're staying? And I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. It's, it's a great story. Warm my heart. You know, it, it's, you always hate the fact that it sometimes takes it something tragic, something tough to wake you up a little bit. But I, I really think there are some silver linings. Maybe there are gold linings because I'm a little partial to gold. Um, <laughs> Gold's that, a good color. That have come from this experience for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up a couple thousand uh, Instagram followers when we won the gold medal, and that was exciting. But when I announced my diagnosis on my social media, I have gone up. I have more than doubled my following. And it's because I've been able to now connect with people on a totally more human level than I ever could have as an athlete. And so I think the silver lining is, is um, the, the relatable experience, the, the impact that I think I can have now um, as kind of more of a public figure uh, is, is just so much broader now than, than had I not gone through this cancer experience. And for me personally, um, I now, like, you know, I was so excited to be a mom and, uh, you know, really... It, my family has always been really important to me, but now it's like, you know, I have a toddler at home. And so, you know, as a parent, you can get a little stressed and, and not really appreciate every moment. <laughs> right. And not to say that I'm perfect and I am appreciating every moment, but I am really trying to like soak up every moment with my family. You know, this, you just go outside and I feel like the sky is more blue and what would have felt like a, a mediocre day before. Now it just, you know, you just feel so grateful to be feeling good and to be able to get back to doing all these things uh, and just the perspective of it. Um, and then for me too, I coming off my career, I had so many different projects and ways to pour my energy. And I'm realizing now that it's not about chasing everything. It's about honing in on what's really important mm. because, you know, I'm optimistic that I have a lot of time left and I can do a lot of things, but you don't know. So sure. I want to make sure that I'm making the most of, of the time I, kn- I have right in front of me so that no matter what happens, I can leave the, the legacy I want and, and have a high quality of life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and how did you guys come in contact? Can you, can you tell the yeah. story again? So, um, you know, the great thing about cross-country skiing is you get connected with some pretty amazing people in mm-hmm. the process. And so um, I've known Gretel for over a decade. Um, she just became our super fan. Of uh, Just saw what we were doing with our U.S. women's team of not trying to only be the best athletes in the world, but to really foster a lot of community and spirit. And um, so she's been, yeah, this amazing cheerleader for us. And so um, when I was going through treatment last year. Um, she, of course, was, again, one of the best cheerleaders and said, hey, Keegan, I'm doing this open water swim in Seattle. Um, I'm doing, I'm dedicating my swim in your honor. And this is, like, right when I'm in the midst of chemo. And so I just right away was like, okay, that is amazing. And next year, when I'm done with treatment, I'm going to wow. come back and do this swim with you. And that was, that was a big commitment for me because <laughs> I grew up in Alaska where we did not spend a lot of time in open water. Right. So to be like, okay, this is going to be really good. This is, I know I'm going to go do this with a friend. And so it's been on my calendar for a year and I've been looking forward to it. And I've been getting in the water this summer to kind of get ready. And it's wonderful to now be here in Seattle, um, to be reuniting with a friend, to go out and do a swim tomorrow, uh, on behalf of such a good cause. Um, and I just, it, this whole experience has just made me so incredibly grateful for the amazing people in my life. 
and there's nothing better to than to go out and do some sort of awesome physical feat uh, together with your friend. So. You're the lady. <laughs> <laughs> that was Gretel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, um, Troy, I've, I've seen you glance over a couple of times. Uh, just kind of set it up. We're, we're sitting on a beautiful porch at Gretel's house, and uh, kicking to my left, Troy's across from me, and but taking the center stage right here is a gold medal. Uh, an Olympic gold an medal. An Olympic gold medal. I mean... A, a real one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things you can do in life, you know. You, you can be on a, on a Forbes list of wealthiest people. You could, you know, whatever, top ten of this, that. But that's that defines greatness. I, I mean, it really does across the board for, for as long as the Olympics have been happening. I mean, what does it mean to you to have that and, and to be a gold medalist and what you could also show uh, little girls coming up in the future, little, little kids that ski or just anybody that... Meal, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. I mean, what, what does it mean to you? It's it's pretty cool to have had the opportunity to be an athlete where there's a pretty clear uh, path for you to kind of follow this very specific dream and then ultimately, you know, go after this medal, which is just the physical representation of that hard work and that dedication and that dream. And um, I went through five Olympics, and it wasn't until my 18th Olympic race that this gold medal ended up happening. Uh, and it was so special that it happened in a team event. Um, you know, I got to win this medal with my teammate, Jesse Diggins. And this was a, this race in particular was something our entire team had targeted. Um, you know, the U.S. had just, we'd been so close to winning a medal and to win an Olympic medal. I think that finally puts the stamp of like, okay, your team has arrived. Like, you are truly now one of the best athletes in the world. And so to win that medal to me was just, the ultimate satisfaction and validation for all that we knew it was possible for the decades it took of working mm. together to get there and to be able to celebrate it with our team and now to take this medal around and know that as soon as someone puts it in their hand it rubs off it, it somehow I think ignites in people like oh yeah I can go out and I can chase my dreams I can be better healthier and that's what the Olympics is all about you know it's faster higher stronger and we tend to focus on the medals, but I think it's really about bringing that out in everybody. And it's just so cool to, to have been able to have an accomplishment that I can actually carry around and have that, that impact. Yeah. And um, it's just, it, it's a dream come true. It's, I couldn't have written the story any, any better. You know, usually I'm like full of words and, uh, <laughs> uh, and can, you know, just kind of just spout them out. I, I got, I got nothing. That is the, the dedication that it takes to, um, to do that and to stay so focused and, and man, hats off. It's awesome. Well, I remember being at my first Olympics in Salt Lake City and watching Sarah Hughes uh, win the gold medal in figure skating. I think she was 16 at the time and thinking like, wow, that would be super cool. But if you win the gold medal at 16, like, you know, where do you go from there? And <laughs> yeah. I kind of, maybe this was part of just my justification, but kind of realizing like in my sport it's going to take me 10 years before I'm going to be competitive so now I have all these little steps that I get to complete along the way and I set out on this roadmap. I set out kind of after this audacious dream of trying to win a medal that had never been won before um, and I had my shot going into the 2014 Olympics in the individual freestyle sprint event the world was watching I knew in my heart it was possible and I ended up coming up five hundredths of a second short uh, and missed advancing to the semifinals, and 
and after that, I had a big decision to make. Um, I knew I wouldn't get a chance at my best individual event for eight more years with the way our techniques flip-flop. Um, but at that point, I realized it was not just about the medals. It was about this amazing journey. I was so proud of the work we'd done to get to the point where we knew that was so possible. And it really actually ended up being an easy decision for me to continue four more years because I knew we would have a shot at a team medal and I knew how important the team was to me and I just wanted to help contribute to that effort. Whether or not I was actually on the relay team or not, I wanted to help push my teammates and work on this common goal together. And, uh, and then now that I'm a year kind of after I finished my career, I look back and I'm just, I'm so grateful that I got to do it for so long. And it was, it's the medal that kind of keeps you going. That's what gets you out the door. That's the kind of the dream. But it's not really about the medal. It's about the process. I think so many, so many athletes, young athletes, old athletes, it doesn't really matter. They're afraid to get into something because they won't be good enough or they won't, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to suck at that. I'm going to be terrible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, what you said about the process, you know, if you're, man, if you're new to something, if you're new to paddling or swimming or whatever, you don't know unless you give it a go. And it is, it is a process. No one starts out at that elite level. Well, and especially in our sport, I mean, there was, you know, the best women's result when I first got into the sport, I think, was maybe top 15 at the Olympics. So there was no path to say it was possible. And I actually had a pretty hard time, got a pretty hard time from my grandfather, who was like, once I'd gone to my first Olympics, he was like, okay, you're an Olympian. Like, now you need to go to school and you need to get a degree and, yeah. you know, do like kind of the natural, you know, what everybody else is doing. And I went, no, like, I, I think I can do this. I think it's going to be worthwhile and I'm going to have to stick to it. But then a few years into that commitment, when all my people, my uh, classmates out of high school were now getting their degrees and going on, it was kind of like, oh, man, you know, I said I was going to do this, and now I'm not, I'm not really showing that it's possible yet. Mm-hmm. It was tempting to, to maybe walk away, but I just went, you know what, i got to at least see it through. Because what's the harm in that? Okay, so say you said, I'm going to do this, you go out, you give everything, you don't get it. Well, you're still like you still have had this amazing experience. Uh, you've learned a lot about yourself, and yeah, it, it, I know that because you put the work in, it will lead to something else. Maybe not exactly what you thought, but it it's it's just such an amazing experience to go after something like that. And I was going to be, you know, prior to that medal happening at those Olympics, I was com- going to be completely satisfied with my career to walk, you know, to walk away without an Olympic medal. Because I, I just knew um, I was proud of the way I'd done it, and it was a great experience, and life was going to be great without a gold medal. Yeah. But, of course, maybe, maybe thinking of things in that way is ultimately what freed my mind to go out and have the performance I needed to win a medal. Because it wasn't just about the result, it was, just, it was about so much more. It, it seems like as I listened to you talk about your uncle and is that what said go back to college? Oh, uh, that was uh, my your, grandfather. Your grandfather. Okay, I'm sorry. Yep. Your grandfather. Uh, it seems so much, so many people want life in black and white, these little compartments. You know, this is what you should do. This is what you have to do. But then if you choose to operate in the gray area, if you get what they always say, if you get comfortable being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. great things can happen. Did, did you look at it that way? Like, I'm going to carve my own path. Like, that may be what's prescribed for people or what people want me to do, but, you know, I'm going to live. 
it, was, was that kind of part of it? And, and, and do you still enjoy the gray area? Is, is there any gray for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you you get smarter the more experience you have. I, I won't say I had those like the exact perspective at that point when I decided to sure. kind of go after this. It was just I was enjoying the training. I was enjoying like thinking ahead to what might be possible and I really didn't see it as that big of a risk like I just I believed in myself to know that if I go after this and ultimately I totally fail well at least I tried and mm. I'll figure out something else um, and then I think that's maybe applied to, to some other things I mean now that I'm done racing uh, I never finished my college degree and so you could be like, whoa, geez, like, well, you know, what am I going to do now? I'm not an athlete anymore. But I just know this is the time to get gritty again and right. to reinvent myself and come up with some new ideas and pursue them. And maybe they won't go very well and I'll have to reroute. But I think just having that belief in myself that no matter what, I'm, I'm good at being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm good at figuring it out. And that's ultimately, I think, what makes me feel alive is, is constantly going after those things that aren't so clear and black and white. I'm going to have to listen to this like 10 to 15 times over <laughs> just to make sure I get every tiny little bit of uh, inspiration and goodness out of it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just nice to know that um, all those years of training, you often questioned, well, what am I doing with my life? What, I am, what am I doing for the world? Mm -hmm. But you realize that by pursuing some of these kind of individual goals, I have learned a lot. And hopefully by sharing that journey and what I'm learning, people can get little tidbits here and there that end up clicking and, and being something that helps them introduce them to a new activity or overcome a challenge, uh, get healthier. Um, and that's what I love about getting to be an athlete and getting to be a role model yeah. is that this, this experience uh, turns into more than just the performance on the snow. Absolutely. You got a website. You sell <laughs> socks. Tell us, about, <laughs> tell us about some of the cool things you got going on there. Yeah, so another kind of silver lining that came out of my cancer experience in this past year is that uh, kind of being determined to stay positive through my treatment, I literally started wearing rainbow-colored running shoes to my doctor's appointments. And this was helping me stay positive, and so my husband was watching this and going, well, if this is working for you, is there something that we could do that would put this same kind of phenomenon out there to others going through something tough? And we figured running shoes might be kind of a challenge because you get all the different sizes and everything, but maybe we could do some inspirational socks. And so uh, I first talked with L.L. Bean, which has been a big partner of mine over years, and they were very supportive of the idea but couldn't make the socks happen quite on the timeline we needed. So they introduced us to the people at Darn Tough, and they loved the idea, and so we ended up partnering with them to make these happy socks. Right. And my husband kind of realized that we kept telling each other it's going to be okay. So then we were able to integrate my kind of Keekin K into a logo that my brother designed, and we made the socks, and Ella Bean donated some headbands, and we initially thought this is just going to be like a fun little project. Um, we were actually intimidated by the fact that we had to order 1,200 pairs of socks on that initial <laughs> run. And I know so the we, feeling. <laughs> my husband actually decided to quit his job and focus on this project, uh, so we built a little um, Shopify site off my website, and put the socks out for pre-order and before we even had a single pair in hand we had sold out of the 1200 pairs and the headbands were going as well and we decided that we wanted to donate two dollars from every item we sell to active against cancer um, and do some good with this as well 
And then we also created the hashtag HelloKeekin and encouraged people as they were getting the socks and the headbands to share their story with us. And that has been the coolest part is that um, I've gotten to hear that maybe someone got a pair of socks and that gave them the courage to get through a tough day of chemo. Or an entire ski team wore the socks as their lucky thing for the race the next day. Um, And this project has really just turned into something way bigger than we thought, but has been so fun. Um, We now have a a 2.0 version of the sock that's kind of like the new horizons. Um, We've got a couple other products on the web store, and and we've now raised over over $10,000 for Active Against Cancer. And along the way, just, yeah, people are, are, this is bringing joy to their lives in a tough time. And that just, I'm so happy that I've been able to, to turn my experience into, into more. And I, my husband for sure gets all the credit because he had the vision for that and, and has been working together with me to make this happen. Wow. You do realize that you just made Troy and I want to go just paddle to Alaska or run through a wall or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I know, I know how I was very inspired by role models growing up. Mm. I mean, I had incredible role models in my family. My aunt and uncle were Olympic skiers. Um, my dad had timed the World Pro Skiing Circuit in Alpine for a while, and I just, I always looked up to them for like any little nugget they would say or watching what they were doing and taking that and applying it to what I was doing. And so it's really cool to, um, I'm, I continue to find role models wherever I go. I mean, in the cancer community, I think, all of the people who have survived way harder things than I have and are now back to living really full, productive lives, that's been inspirational to me. Um, and so if I can put anything out there to just kind of continue to uh, be that positive force, um, it's, it's cool to know it's happening. You are definitely a positive force. <laughs> made, uh, made a difference in my day today. Oh, good. Well, For then. sure. Totally. Yeah, I, I knew you were awesome when I saw those videos of you going through what you were going through and working on. I'm like, this is an amazing woman, but to sit here and talk to you, it's an honor. I mean, we've been doing this a while and uh, you have motivated us, I think, in a lot of ways that we'll probably just look at each other and say, Keegan. Yeah, time, time to go. <laughs> let's, let's get after it. Well, some of my friends were like, dang, Keegan, why do you have to like work out through chemo? Because now, now I have no excuse. <laughs> I got like, nothing. <laughs> yeah, just, just a busy day isn't going to cut it anymore. Like, if Keegan can do this while going after chemo, then I can do it too. And uh, yeah, it's been fun to share that. You are awesome. Uh, she's a survivor. She's a gold medalist. Keegan Randall, thank you very much. Troy, you're, you're speechless. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of... Well, with I've that, we it. usually say, for Troy, I'm like, we're out. But Gretel, can you give us a, just one more old yo and we'll end it there? Yo, la la, hee, yo, la la, hee.